from runasradio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 330, Hyper-V versus vSphere with guest Mitch Jarvis. Recorded Tuesday, August 20th, 2013. Run As Radio is produced each week by Plop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I've got one of my favorite guests back in. It's Mitch Garvis, and he's an IT trainer with a passion for community. Having founded and led two major Canadian user groups for IT professional, he understands both the value and the rewards of helping his peers. After years as a consultant and in-house IT pro for companies in Canada, he now works with various companies, creating and delivering training for Microsoft to its partners and clients around the world. He is a Microsoft certified trainer and has been recognized for his community work with the prestigious Microsoft Most Valuable Professional Award. And he is an avid writer, blogs at garvis.ca and a fellow Canadian. Oh, Canada, eh? How you doing, Richard? <laughs> well, you can do the A thing on the East Coast. On the West Coast, we hold it back. I've got to keep myself under control. I, I never say it. It's one of those stereotypes that I just don't get because, well, I think it's because you and I are professional speakers. Maybe that's that it. We don't use the, the, the localisms as we speak. The common, the comma sounds, all of those <laughs> likes and so's and you, you try and get rid of all of that when you talk all the time. That's right. And you've been up to no good, I notice here. What was this? Did you actually do a duel between vSphere and Hyper-V? What was that all about? You know, a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago now, I guess, uh, a company that I used to do a lot of work for called VM Training hosted a webinar with their uh, lead instructor, Sean MacArthur, uh, why vSphere is the best hypervisor on the market. Right. And I said to them, you know what, guys? That is a very leading statement. I don't agree with the statement that VMware is the best hypervisor on the market. So they invited me at my insistence at gunpoint to do a follow-up webinar why Hyper-V is the best hypervisor on the market. Nice. And both of these went over so well. And you have two people who are obviously at very different ends of the spectrum. I am madly in love with Hyper-V. Sure. And Sean is absolutely in the VMware camp. And we decided after those two went up that we were going to do a dueling hypervisors. We were going to fight to the end. Okay, not so much. We're friends (laughs) and we have great respect for one another. We both know each other's product. And we decided to do a one-hour webinar debating which was the best hypervisor on the market. And, of course, it was we sat down beforehand and said, look, there are going to be no low blows. Right. We want to begin and end as friends. And, again, we have to remember, I keep telling people that IT should never be about religion. It should be about what the best tool is for the job. Right. And in some cases, Hyper-V is going to be better. And in some cases, not many VMware is going to be better. And it wasn't going to be a religious argument. It was just going to be the facts. And that's... I think how it came out, I think we had a, a a very informative discussion, and the winners are going to be the people who listen to the webinar, because nice. I think we 
we informed both camps. People have been successful with both products. Absolutely. You know, if we were having this conversation three, four, five years ago, right. I would have to say, look, VMware is better, but look at the cost of Hyper-V. You're going to save so much money on Hyper-V. You could tolerate the weaknesses. Yeah. And then as Hyper-V 2008 R2 came out, and then Service Pack 1, and 2012, and now 2012 R2, we're no longer having that conversation. The conversation is these are two equal products in almost every aspect. And let's talk about the the things around them, the management tools. The mm-hmm. hypervisor itself is now a commodity as far as I'm concerned. Right. It's the management solutions that you're going to implement that are going to make or break your infrastructure. But both solutions, both companies offer great solutions. They're both excellent hypervisors. And if you have all of the money in the world, you're not going to go wrong with either solution. Of course, if you're on a budget, Hyper-V is going to win every time. Right, right. I guess that, that that's the one place where Microsoft goes is Hyper-V is basically included with the OS, where VMware doesn't make OSs, yeah, so it's a different rule. I, I hate listening to people talk about that. Hyper-V is free. Well, virtualization is free. If you look at the comparison, Hyper-V is free, so is ESXi. The vSphere hypervisor is just as free as Hyper-V is. It's the management tools that you're going to implement, whether you're going to implement vCenter Server or you're going to implement System Center 2012 to manage it. That's where your environment really starts to shine. And neither one of those products is free at all. No, of course not. Virtualization isn't free any more than living is free. Of course, it doesn't cost anything to live, but then you've got to eat. And then you've got to see a doctor. And then you've got to buy clothes. Sure. Life is free. Life here. You go. You've got a life. Now do it without any money. Now that's a little harder. Right. The Hyper-V or the VMware solutions aren't about the hypervisor. They're about everything around it, the management tools. Well, and this, I think, leads to a really interesting discussion. So vSphere really is including the tools, right? Is there any other things you need to buy beyond that? Well, that's where people who don't live in the VMware space get confused. Mm -hmm. We have a company, VMware, and we talk about VMware virtualization, and of course, VMware virtualization is ESXi. Then we start talking about vSphere. vSphere is also free, because vSphere is actually another word for the hypervisor, ESXi. However, it's the vCenter server and the vCloud director and all of those tools that are going to cost you an arm and a leg. And knowing the different terminologies is not so important once you have the solutions in place. But yes, v, uh, vSphere, free, vCenter, not. Okay. So that then that makes sense. And yeah, I don't even want to get down to exact prices because everybody's price is going to vary according to the deal they make. So let's not even go there. Let's talk a little bit about the system center products around Hyper-V. So that's Virtual Machine Manager? You know, System Center in last year, 2012, went from being seven different products to being one product with seven different components. Right. And at the same time, that did us all a great favor and all a great disservice. If you only wanted to manage your virtual environment, VMM in 2008 was a great virtualization platform mm-hmm. or a great, a great management component. However, if you wanted to have PRO tips, the dynamic, intelligent rebalancing of workloads, you right. would need 
well, you would need system center operations management. So there were two parts that you had to buy. And, of course, if you wanted to automate everything, you wanted to create your runbook so that, well, there's a third that's you've got to buy your orchestrator. Now, you're buying one product, and it is more expensive. If you were just buying VMM, yeah, that was going to be a lot less expensive than buying system center. Now you're buying the whole system center product, and it is going to cost you a little bit more. But there are two sides to that. First of all, it's still going to cost you less, significantly less, than vSense server. Mm-hmm. That's A. And B, any company that's, that's in the enterprise space is probably already using system center fill-in-the-blank something or other, operations manager to monitor your servers or your applications, configuration manager to monitor your desktops, your workstations, your life, your patch management. If you've already got one of those components, you now have all of those components, and you don't have to go paying. So really, at this point, if you already have them, then we go back to the original premise, virtualization is free again, because you had config manager, now you have system center, which includes virtual machine manager. Right. So I guess the, the point being, in at least when you get to some lar- these larger organizations, uh, system center is already there. You're just adding a few bits here and there to to fill it out the way you want it filled out. That's exactly right. And there's so many companies I go into. Microsoft Canada uh, sends me into companies all the time that say, you know what, I don't want to spend more on my virtualization scenario, so I don't want to invest in more software, so I'm not going to use hyper yeah, but you're using operations manager. Yeah, but I only use system center operations manager. I don't want to buy anything else. You don't have to buy anything else. We're going to give you the rest for free. Oh, well, that's nice. They love that. They don't know that because they may have implemented operations manager or configuration manager or, in the occasional case, um, uh, data protection manager right. two, three, four, five years ago and not realize that when Microsoft made it all into one product, they got the use rights of everything, and it's not going to cost them anymore. Interesting, yeah. So, I mean, and I find this over and over again, that these products, they haven't kept up the versions of their products. They're not current, and they definitely have gotten better, but also it seems like the licensing has gotten better too. Well, the licensing has certainly gotten easier, and the licensing has gotten harder. Well, how can you say those two in the same sentence? Well, mm-hmm. I just did. I am not a licensing guy, and I love talking to salespeople. Salespeople at Microsoft know everything about the product as long as I'm standing next to them. Right. They don't know, but, but when it comes to licensing, what it's going to cost them to implement the products, then all of a sudden, I'm there like the, the monkey on their shoulder because I don't know the answers to these questions. But that's why the technical people and the salespeople work so well together. So for the technical people, licensing over my head. For the salespeople, that's who you've got to contact. And speak to your Microsoft sales guys. They will not poo-poo you just because, well, he's already got the product, so I don't have to talk to him. They're going to be just as happy with you implementing the product because implementation is part of their metrics as well. Sure. And I think it's a bigger picture here now. I think we're treating virtualization very differently than we did just a few years ago. We, whether it's cloud thinking or just self-provisioning for developers, do you get into all of that? I do, and it's amazing. We've gone from being the redheaded stepchild where only the 
the high, high level people were allowed to touch virtualization. Right. To now, it's an every man, every IT professional will know a little bit about virtualization. Somewhere from a little bit of virtualization to a lot about virtualization. And mm-hmm. it depends on what level you're at. But VMware, and remember, I've been VMware certified for a lot of years. I've been teaching it and consulting on it for a lot of years. It takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. If you want to build, if you want to spin up a, a vCenter, they call it a data center, by the way. We call it a, a private cloud. They call it a data center. If you want to spin up a, pri- a data center in VMware, well, first of all, you've got to install the ESXi hypervisor. Right. That's easy as pie. Then you've got to install vCenter server. That's you know, pretty easy, too. Then you've got to build the data center within vCenter server, and then you've got to configure the networking, and then you've got to configure the storage, and then you've got to configure multi, uh, multi-path I.O., and then you've got to configure uh, port groups and uplink ports and uh, uh, round-robin port, and all of a sudden, this is something that is not so simple. Uh, the virtualization was a specialty for so many years because VMware made it as complicated as they did. You know, Microsoft Canada calls me their, their virtualization czar. That I am the go-to guy on virtualization, whether it's sales, EPG, partner, evangelism. And, and in a year or two, that role is going to be completely, I'm going to be like a telegraph operator or an elevator operator because every, once virtualization and virtualization environment management is easy enough for everyone to do, then you don't need experts in it. You don't need specialists because everyone's going to be able to do it. Right. So, and that's where Microsoft has done such a great job of making it easier, of making it simpler for the everyday IT guy. You don't have to be an MCSE private cloud to spin up Hyper-V. You don't have to be an MCSE private cloud to spin up private clouds with Virtual Machine Manager and Operations Manager and Orchestrator. Sure. All of a sudden, you can just do this because it's the same tools that you're used to. Wow. It feels like they're doing to virtualization what they did with databases. We know, remember after SQL 7, there was sort of a revelation of databases can manage themselves. A lot of this stuff is automatic. You can give us, you know, deep consoles. And, you know, you, it's no longer memorizing commands to create users and set security profiles. It's just a button and off it goes. That's exactly right. And now, uh, using some of the other components of System Center, using the service manager and the app controller and the orchestrator. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do now, there's always going to be a meet. There's always going to be an infrastructure director yeah. or an MCIC private cloud who's, who's the data center owner. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to have my data center or my private cloud or my environment spun up and ready and configured. And I'm going to have my virtual machine manager managing my hyperviews. And I'm going to have my orchestrator monitoring everything. Then I'm going to go into System Center Orchestrator. Now think of Orchestrator as uh, Office, Visio, and PowerShell got together and had kids. And that's <laughs> Orchestrator. You are literally designing your your uh, network infrastructure, and you say, okay, I want to put this here and that there and that there, and I need a secure web application, and that needs a domain controller, and it needs a front-end transaction web server, and it needs a SQL server, and poof, build it for me, and it does. Nice. So I'm going to build that, and then I'm going to build my system center app controller and my service manager, which are my, my online portals and my provisioning so that 
my app owner, the guy who needs a few virtual machines, whether it's for a new store for my for my uh, franchise, or whether it's for a new application that they're developing, or whether it's for a new uh, transactional web server that they're putting up, they don't have to come to me and knock on my door. Right. How many people got into IT because they said, you know what? I'm a real people person. I like when people come to me all the time, so I want to have my door open. Of course not. We, we're IT people because we want to sit in the locked office behind uh, barricades and, and have a dog barking loudly so that nobody ever comes to bother us. But my, my new app owner is going to go into my app controller online portal, and they're going to say, okay, I need... And they're going to pick like a Chinese uh, restaurant menu. I need from column A, I need a domain controller. And from column B, I need a SQL server. And from column C, I need a .NET server and a front-end web server. And it's going to be X number of quarter points. And I look in my account and I have enough to do it, requisition it. And I press a button. And it's all going to get built for me. And... Me, the data center administrator in the back end, never sees you. I just see that you've used X number of quarter points, and in my monitoring, I see that that many more servers have been spun up. That's fine, because I don't have to do anything. I also didn't get into IT because I like working hard. I want to automate all of this so I can sit back and be lazy and look good. Nice. So immediately, Configuration Manager and the uh, offline virtual machine servicing tool is going to make sure that before those virtual machines are put out, put online, they're patched properly. Yep. And Office Manager is going to continue monitoring them. And the combination of Office Manager and VMM are going to make sure that they're on the best hosts depending on what quarter points they spent. Because I may have, quarter, I may have hosts for platinum and I may have hosts for gold. I may have storage for platinum and uh, storage for gold. And Orchestrator is going to build all of it using the Visual PowerShell uh, run books mm-hmm. that I've created, and I never have to work another day in my life. Of course, I sit in my office, look, uh, generating reports, and looking really good because everyone's happy. Imagine a world where nobody complains about IT. I don't know what I, I, know. I do, but well, I, I, well, I but I do appreciate the basic thought of like there's always more to do. The fact that we can automate these things and let them provision lets us think at a higher level about the next set of problems that are coming down the line. Exactly. You know, I'll tell you a story. I was, I, you know, I have a, probably like you, I have a TN visa to work down in the U.S. that I have to get renewed every so often. Mm-hmm. And the last time I went down, the, the guy at the border crossing, now let's face it, they're very smart and they're very nice and they're big, uh, bulky guys who work out and carry guns, but they're not IT people. So after about 15 minutes of explaining to him what a, uh, private cloud trainer and virtualization, virtualization specialist does. He looked at me and said, so let me get this right, Mr. Canadian. Um, you want me to let you come down to my country to teach companies that are probably owned by foreigners how they can fire more American workers. Nice. And, <laughs> well, <laughs> that was not a comfortable moment, but I said to him, look, the people that I'm training are going to keep developing their skills so that they won't lose their jobs. They'll just be freed up to do more by doing less. Yeah, get rid of the mundane and focus on the important. That's right. I mean, the mundane is what we can export. Let somebody in uh, in India or China or Pakistan or Bangladesh 
monitor my dashboard and let me know when there's a red X on it. We're getting to the point where to be a decent IT professional, not a good one, but to be a decent IT professional, the only real qualification you're going to need is don't be colorblind because green is good and red is bad. And if I can get us to a scenario, if I can get our infrastructures, our organizations to a place where that's always the case, green is good, red is bad, and there's never a case where everything's green and something stops working, then I've reached IT Nirvana. And that's <laughs> where we want to be. We want to get to the point where we can have those, what we used to call $10 an hour techs. Now they're making probably 15 or 16 sitting watching dashboards, but they're not watching a dashboard for one company. They could be watching a dashboard for a thousand companies. Sure. And when something goes red, okay, now I've got to do something. Until something goes red, I can continue watching my YouTube videos or reading my books or hopefully listening to Run As Radio so I can become a better IT professional. <laughs> you like that, huh? I do. You're always quick with the line there, Mitch. Do you, do you find these tools now are doing a better job of creating the concept of an application as a whole, that, that front-end piece, the processing piece, the transaction coordinator, the database? We can look at that. Even though it's multiple VMs, we look at it as a thing that we can deploy as a block or modify as a block. That's exactly what we do. And you know what? I, You and I speak different languages. You're a coder, and I'm an IT guy. Mm -hmm. But if we have one unit that works together where my infrastructure supports your code, and when something goes red, I can expand my infrastructure, and I can see, okay, they're the first line. I can't read this code. Are you kidding me? But the first three letters of this code line are SQL. Aha. So it's a SQL thing. I've got to reach out to my database administrator. We've made it look so easy to the app owners, to the end users, that we always people always say, well, what are you worried about? It's not rocket science. It is computer science. Mm -hmm. We make the back end easy so that the we, we make the back end complicated so the front end is so easy. Right. And we get to the point where your infrastructure administrators can do less work because the application developers have what they need. And, you know, I always say that app owners are, or developers are from Mars and infrastructure guys are from Venus. Yeah. I actually usually say something else, but you're a developer and I don't want to offend you. <laughs> so, um, we live in a, we have to, if we coexist in the space where green is good, and only when red is bad do we have to figure out what's wrong. But the red is bad when we click on that. It shows us exactly what's bad and what we have to fix. And all of a sudden, we can be friends again. Nice. But I also appreciate that because of virtualization, just adding a few more machines to see if that takes the pressure off is easy to do. And it doesn't always work, but it's easy to do. You know, we still have so many people living with this legacy mindset that it's all got to be physical and it's all got to be huge, huge, huge virtual machines if we're, if we are virtualizing them. Right. No, my app needs 64 gigabytes of RAM and 18 virtual CPUs. Well, no, it doesn't. It might occasionally, but I'm going to scale your app back to four gigabytes of RAM, eight gigabytes of RAM, and two virtual CPUs. Right. But allow using dynamic optimization and dynamic memory for when it does need, not when you say it needs, but when the application says, hey, I need more resources, that those resources get spun up automatically using uh, online dynamic resources. 
How cool is that that I don't even have to turn off my virtual machine for it to get more memory? It says I need more memory. Okay, there's more memory. Done. Does it make sense to scale the individual VM or just to light up more VMs and distribute? That is the $64 question. The answer is it depends. Ah, it can be either. And what we will, what we will usually do is we will scale up automatically by using Ops Manager and the features built into Hyper-V. But when we do need, when we do get to that point where we do need more virtual machines, then we're going to spin those up automatically as well. But it's not going to be any more difficult because we've already built the orchestrator runbook or the VMM multi-tier application farm to just say, okay, build it for me. Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting. I'm a guy who's used to doing scale out and dealing with load balancers and many, many multiple instances. There are lots of pizza boxes. Now it's all VMs. There is the case to be made for if you can stay in one VM and just grow it dynamically and shrink it dynamically, you do save a certain amount of complexity. You're saving huge complexity. You know what? The fewer moving pieces you have, the easier your tool is. Sure. You know who taught me that? Anton Kalashnikov. The guy who invented the AK-47 was a tank engineer who got shot because, frankly, in World War II, his rifle jammed. And he decided to invent a better rifle that had fewer moving parts. Yep. The fewer moving parts you have, nobody ever jams an AK-47. They may not hit anything with it, but it doesn't jam. Well, that's right. (laughs) That's a different story. Yeah. But it's not going to jam. The fewer moving parts you have, whether it's in an assault rifle or a virtualization or an application environment, the less chances of things going wrong. Yeah, I'm totally with you. So, look, I think we've made a very strong case around virtualization in the server environment. When it comes to the whole dealing with the dev team as well, are you seeing all of those guys starting to work in VMs too? I started out using VMs to be able to run multiple test environments, but I'm getting to a mindset now where I want everybody working from a common template VM. Developers, QA folks, their environment, their their VMs should look just like production, just so we don't have as many configuration problems when we try and deploy. So how many times have you been involved in a situation where... Two groups were saying, this is the dev team's fault. No, it's the IT pro's team's fault. I've got two identical scenarios. It works totally over here. It doesn't work at all over there. And you trace it back to, yeah, exactly, something that uh, that nobody did wrong except the two devs who were working on identical projects were working, started from a different starting point. So one little, um, one little issue was different from one to the other. And that causes all sorts of problems. Sure. Uniformity breeds simplicity. Yep. If you are doing dev testing, if you're doing application testing, you have to start from identical spaces. The definition of a science is if you do exactly the same thing with the exact same conditions and scenarios and do follow the exact same steps, you will achieve the exact same results Mm -hmm. every time. You can't get that if you don't have the same environment to start with. Yeah. So I love the concept of working from virtual machines and especially VDI because, hey, all of a sudden, all of our people can work from a common image. When they spin up their virtual machine, it's identical to the virtual machine 
that dev two, dev three, dev four spun up. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting. We're in this sort of next stage of virtualization. We penetrated the server closet because it allowed us to shrink the number of machines. We've now gotten all this automation that creates that private cloud effect. But this pushing of VMs to the desktops. I've now got a, a couple of uh, teams working where they're working on three different projects, but each project's in its own VM. So they just don't interact with each other. Everything is protected. It really, thinking about VMs on the desktop that way really twists up my head. I think it's the future. We are, I am working on some really exciting stuff right now. There's nothing that I can speak about yet, but we're going to have another conversation in three months about VDI. And I'm going to have so many great things to talk to you about that it's an entire other conversation, but you're going to say, wow, I want that. And mm-hmm. all of your listeners are going to say, wow, that's where I want to be. Well, I love that, that Windows 8 is already running Hyper-V, that you know we're consolidating on one approach to virtualization, at least in the Microsoft stack. But uh, it, I think it's only going to get better. And it is. And especially, you're going to see some wonderful improvements in R2 and 8.1. And you know what they say, at Microsoft, as soon as a product is released, especially a massive product like Server, mm-hmm. if it's released, I think we announced it's releasing October 18th. Yep. October 18th is going to be a big celebratory day. Guess what they do October 19th? Start on the next one. Well, they start talking about V-Next. Yeah. Exactly. So with this great team of brilliant people who are developing these these tools, 2012 R2 is going to be spectacular, but what's going to be after that is going to be hyper-spectacular. You know what they say, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Well, Microsoft has a whole lot up their sleeve that I'm looking forward to in the next two years. Things are getting a little magical. Yes, sir. So, Mitch, where are we going to see you next? Well, um, I am, you know, I'm all over the place, Yeah. but right now, because of this project that I'm going to be working on, I'm kind of scaling back my in-person events. I think the next in-person event that I'm dealing with at Microsoft is actually the MCT Regional Lead Summit in September, where I think there are 72 or 78 uh, MCT leads from from around the world, and we're all getting together to figure out how to make the MCT program better for uh, our trainers, which, of course, extends to how does learning get better for our students. For sure. And after that, I can't tell you, but I'm looking forward to telling you in a month. (laughs) Mitch, it's always fun to talk to you. Richard, it's always a pleasure to have Call me anytime you need to fill a spot. I love coming out to Run As Radio. You bet. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.